0: turn to the uh, last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We are finishing up. We're in chapter 22. And today uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to be uh, reading the entire chapter again. Revelation chapter 22, the word of the Lord. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done." Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, of course, Christ. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. We've looked at briefly before. Uh, it's a parallel verse to the very first uh, chapter. And, of course, this is the very last chapter. He opened it, as we said. Uh, he opened the vision by putting his... Christ put his seal on the, on the vision by announcing the vision in Revelation 1 in very virtually the same uh, verse, uh, uh, words. I am Alpha and Omega. This is uh, Revelation 1.8. The beginning and the ending saith the Lord. It goes on to say there, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. In verse 8, we have the first announcement of Jesus in his glory at the right hand of the Father. Uh, You know, we've all read the Gospels and uh, the book of Acts that uh, Keith just read uh, from chapter 2. We've all read the epistles. But if you haven't buckled down and studied Revelation as very few Christians have fortunately we can't say that about this church uh, but if you haven't done that particularly for those who are listening on the sermon audio you've never known Christ as he is revealed in this book which he, as is he now as he is when you shall bow before him uh, so gospels it's it's 99% him on earth Christ as uh, in his human form on earth and then of course uh uh, uh, somewhat after, a little bit after his resurrection body. Uh, but this is Christ after his ascension uh, where he is now and how he is now. So in the, the book of Revelation we meet our Lord Jesus new as we've never known him before. So to get ready to meet him you must know this book of Revelation. He again announces here that he is the I am. I am Alpha and Omega. Who, who, what does that mean? Well, we say, I am, you know, Mike or Jim or whatever. Is that what it means? No, that's not, what, that's not the context in which it is. I am is the ultimate name of God. Uh, in Exodus 3, uh, he, he, uh, at the burning bush, Moses said, Well, who shall I say sent me? You know, what's your name? Does that ring a bell? We just saw, What's your name? Manoah asked, what's your name? And the Lord said, my name is a secret. Why do you want to know my name? So what does the Lord uh, say to Moses? I am is my name. I am whom I am. How can the Lord have a name which, you know, it's not like you have a name and that makes you Craig and you're not Charles and you're not Chuck. You're Craig. So that differentiates you among people, but the Lord can't be differentiated that way. He is everything. He is he is universal. He's not over here. You know, in other words, he's not just part of over here, but he's you know not over here. He is everywhere. So he can't have a name that differentiates him from another God, for example. Uh, so he is I am. I'm the one who exists. It's the ultimate name of God. That was a name so holy that the ancient Hebrews wouldn't even speak it or write it. It was a sin to write down the name of God or to speak it, as, uh, as they found it was, it was in the Scriptures, but they couldn't, they couldn't write it themselves. Uh, so the Lord Jesus Christ here identifies himself with the Father. He announces himself as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the one who is and which was and is to come. Uh, and of course, the, the triune God, the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, the first letter, as we know of the Greek alphabet, is alpha, right? The last is omega, first and the last. Um, look at Isaiah chapter 41, please. In this prophecy, in Isaiah 41, verse 4, "...who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am He." I am He. The beginning and the ending, the first and the last, very exactly what it says here in Revelation. It's like saying A to Z, there's nothing, there's no one, there's nothing before Christ, there's no one after him because he had no beginning and he has no ending. God, who is infinite and eternal, cannot have a beginning because if he did, there wouldn't, would have been a time before him that, that he would, have, would not have existed. So he cannot have a beginning. Now, doesn't Christ say, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending? yes. As we understand the term, I am the beginning. This could mean I created the world, which he did, Colossians 1.16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Uh, also that says in Hebrew 2.10 by whom are all things or by him excuse me by whom for whom are all things and by whom are all things uh, Christ and of course John 1.1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So Christ created the universe, so in that sense, He is the beginning, beginning as we know it, not His beginning, but it's the beginning as we know it, beginning of the creation of existence. And He's also the ending. He's also the ending. He says, I'm the beginning and the end. His coming will end the world as we know it on the last day. Yet He Himself is eternal and infinite. He had no beginning. He will have no ending. The salvation of his elect began in him. That's another beginning. We were chosen in him before, from the beginning of the world. Right? You know that verse. Before the foundation. And it ends in him. Living with him forevermore as a new creation. When the redeemed are gathered in. God's enemies are cut off. Sin and death is destroyed. He reigns as king forever and ever in the new earth for there is no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved all things will be put under his feet we see this from we've cited this so many times 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-seven and Hebrews 2 8 uh, he is God 1 Timothy 1 17, the king eternal immortal invisible the only wise God clear again from the Bible that Jesus is God, which unbelievers will tell you is not in the Bible, but it certainly is. He is, as he testifies here in in Revelation, uh, at least in in verse 1, he doesn't say this, uh, uh, the Almighty, in verse 1, but he says it in, uh, excuse me, in uh, verse uh, 13, but he says it in verse 1 of, of chapter 8, he calls himself the Almighty, in His Godhead, Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. Uh, Christ said in John ten thirty, and again in John seventeen eleven, "I and my Father are one." Jesus is no less God than the Father is God. We often think well, the Father is the big God, and Jesus is the Son, kind of the second place there, underneath the Father, and the Holy Spirit is like is the employee of the other two. You know. but but that's not the way it is Jesus is no less God than the Father the Holy Spirit is no less God than the Father or no less God than Jesus Christ Uh, in function they differ but in the triune Godhead neither is inferior to the other but there are not three gods there is one God And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about different ways we look at the Trinity, and if you want to review that, that's uh, already up on Sermon Audio about two, three weeks ago. Verse 14 says of Revelation 22, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. This right to the tree of life is a symbolic language for salvation. And we'll get to that in a moment. Let's look at the beginning of 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Now, you Calvinists, I saw some heads jerk up there. You believers in sovereign grace theology that's by the way that's the Calvinist Baptist so some of them don't even know about Calvinism because you, you, I, I talked to a pastor once who's, uh, I was visiting a town, very small town and there was. I looked and it seemed like the best church to go to was this independent uh, Baptist church and they talked about how they use the King James Version in their ad and so I called the pastor uh, beforehand and I said "Oh, are you, you consider yourself what people call Calvinist and he did not know the term And I said, well, uh, sovereign grace. Oh, yeah, we're sovereign grace. Okay. We love Spurgeon. Great. Okay. So, but here we go. Blessed are they that do his commandments. You Calvinists, you who believe in election, you who believe that salvation is all all of God and nothing of us, this verse proves you wrong, doesn't it? This couldn't be more clear, could it? It says that those who do God's commandments will be saved. The symbolic language for salvation. Yes, the verse says that exactly. And we have to believe it if we believe that every word and sentence in the Bible is true. Except when Satan is talking or something like that. But what we don't have to believe are our own assumptions. So we, we read, do his commandments, and we think, well, that means like the Ten Commandments. So we read the verse to say, blessed are they that do the Ten Commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. And we further assume that means to be saved, you have to obey the Ten Commandments. Or God, all of God's laws encapsulate the Ten Commandments. Now, it's true if you make this assumption if you obey the Ten Commandments, a summary of all of God's commandments, so obeying all Ten Commandments means obeying every one of God's commandments. If you obey every one of God's commandments and never break a single one, including your thought life, and for, uh, you're also if you're born without original sin, which condemns you even if you live perfectly, we'll even put that aside for the moment. So if you obey all of God's commandments and somehow you're born without any original sin, you will be saved. Let's have a show of hands from those who meet that standard, please. That's not my hand. It's just demonstrating it. Okay. So by assuming that they who do his commandments in this verse means obeying all of God's God's commandments, including being born without original sin, then you and I aren't saved, can never be saved because we haven't kept the whole law. We were born with original sin. Uh, Because James 2.10 says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble or break one point, he's guilty of breaking it all. That's God's standard. So what can this verse mean? Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. What does do his commandments then mean? Well, remember, I said never assume what words mean. In ordinary conversation, you shouldn't assume what words mean. For example, if somebody says, are you a Christian? Don't assume that they define Christian the same way you do. So if you say, yes, I'm a Christian, they might think of you in a way that you wouldn't even recognize, uh, paint you with a brush you don't deserve. I've Told you the story many times of, of, of talking to the woman who said saw me reading the Bible and said, "Oh, you're a Christian," and I said, "Yes, well, so am I." And she started talking about the cosmic Jesus and how Jesus is in every rock and tree and everything. I mean, but she thought I was believed the same way she did. So say, "Well, what, what do you mean? What? How do you assume or how do you define Christian?" Is a good good way to answer. That's for any question. Are you a Calvinist? Do you believe in predestination? Uh, always respond well how do you define that word You know, what do you mean by that word uh, so you don't paint yourself with a brush or allow yourself to be painted with a brush then you respond to the, their question based on their definition and then you give them the accurate definition of the word they're using and it's a good opportunity to witness to somebody at that point so what does do his commandments mean let's define it biblically let's look at John, the gospel of John chapter 14, please, if you turn there. Okay, John 14, Christ said in verse 21, everybody a moment to get it. uh, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21. This is Christ. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. Of course, they all are, but this is this hits a lot of people's heart very, very strongly. He, Christ said, at that day, and he's talking about When he dies, he will send the Holy Spirit. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself unto him. Now look carefully at that verse. Who is it that has and also keeps the Lord's commandments? Well, it's those who love Christ. See, those who do not love Christ cannot keep his commandments. That teaching is repeated in a different way by the Holy Spirit uh, in 1 John chapter 3. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. Who is it that keeps his commandments? Those who abide, which those who live their lives in Christ and Christ lives in them. The verse goes on to say by the way in this by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us very similar to to what we read in uh, in John 14:21 and that echoes Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is where assurance of faith comes from. The Holy Spirit witnessing in our hearts that, yes, we believe. Because you know, we, we, the faith is a gift. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it's clear that only those who live their lives in Christ... Those who believe every word of the Bible is from God and therefore is absolutely true are those whose keeping of his commandments are acceptable to God. Uh, And they're the ones who do his commandments. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Now, there's still more to go here. In the Bible, God's commandments are often referred to as works, you know, good works. So, this verse in John 5 3, um, or excuse me, this, I'm sorry, the verse in Revelation we're looking at, can be fairly rendered as verse uh, 14 Blessed are they that do his works, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Those who do the works of God will be saved. Again, does that mean that if we just do what God commands, we'll be saved? The answer is yes, but the verse. Don't assume that it means your good works. In John six twenty eight, then said they unto Christ, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And what did Jesus answer? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him who He has sent. What shall we do that we can work the works of God? Jesus said, You want to do the work of God? I'll tell you what the works of God, the work of God is: believe on Him whom He has sent. Now, put that definition of work or commandment with the verse we're looking at, and it comes together. Verse 14, Revelation 22, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. Blessed are they that believe on Him who hath sent, Christ said the work of God is, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. See, Christ did the works, and its belief on Christ, Christ said, is the work of God. And, of course, it's a work of faith in our heart. It's, it's, it's not the work we do, it's the work God does, creating faith in our heart. This is the work of God, that you. and what happens when he does that? Well, you believe, because you're given faith. So, blessed are they that believe on him who he has sent, the work of God, that they may write to the tree of life, and they enter into the gates of the city. Only those who believe on Christ will be saved, in other words. Only they that do the work of God, which is to believe on Him, to rest on Him. Only if you believe on Him do you, quote, do His commandments, unquote, from this verse, which is to believe in Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And then you do good works, but it's a result of what happened, what God gave you, not something you do to be saved. Now, what does it mean to believe? To believe on Him? Well, first, if you believe on Him, you believe that He is the Lord of your life. See, He's both your Lord and your Savior. You don't sit on the throne of your life. You're not the Lord of your own life anymore. You step down because He has come to claim His rightful throne. His rightful throne on your life. you finally come to recognize that, yes, I'm a sinner. I sin all the time. I mean, as we go through the Heidelberg Catechism questions on the Ten Commandments, we realize we sin all the time. We sin in our thought life all the time. not can't, you, you can't save yourself, you realize, and therefore you, you say, my will, my reasoning powers, my emotions are affected with sin. I don't think properly. I don't think the way I should. You know, our power, our reasoning power, is great for mathematics and for building a rocket to send men to, to outer space, and for telling us there's a speeding car. I think it'd be reasonable not to get in the path of that speeding car, and for all sorts of things. You know, how how to what you do to bake a loaf of bread, or, or you know, all sorts of things that our reasoning power is given to us but our reasoning power is not given to us to judge the word of god that's not its purpose it's not it's not it's like trying to you know take a hammer and try to cut down a tree with a hammer it's not made for that well our reasoning power is not made to judge the word of god in fact the word of god is made to judge our reasoning power the word of god is made to judge our reasoning power in other words if we read something in the bible that we don't think is reasonable That's how we know that our reason is corrupt and fallen. And why is it corrupt and fallen? Because what happened in the Garden of Eden, and it's part of original sin that we're born with that. Just as our bodies are born in corruption, right? And they get sick and they die. That's what happens to our reasoning power. Our reasoning power is born sick and eventually dies, of course. But it's always sick. It's always off uh, when it comes to, to judging God's word. Using it as the tool is made to do, you know, to bake to bake a you know to, to bake a turkey dinner, you know, or to drive a car or to be an engineer or whatever it might be, you know, to fix the plumbing. That's what it was meant to do. But it was not meant to to call God down and to put him in the in the courtroom and your reasoning power of judging God. That's not what it was made to do. So we realize that. What does it mean to have, going back, what does it mean to have as Christ as our Lord and Savior? He's Lord of your life. You're not Lord anymore. Your reason doesn't control what you believe about God. You allow God to tell you from his word who he is and what your duties are and what you're to believe about him and what your life is all about. And you realize there's only one person in all of human history that God has sent to save you, and you believe and you submit your will and your emotions and your reason to him and learn how to live your life, by, your new life, by submitting to his teachings from the word of God. See, if that describes you, then you know that God, the Father, sent his only son to take the penalty for your sins upon himself. I can't point to chapter and verse in what I'm about to say I believe it. You're a child of God. I think Christ was praying for you as he was suffering and dying to pay the full penalty for your own personal sins. He came on the cross praying for you. Paying for the sins of his people, those we have committed those we will commit in the future, so that when the Father sees you, Jesus symbolically steps in front of you and says, I've paid for this one's sins. And you're forgiven. In Christ. He's paid it all. And if you believe he's your Lord, the one to whom you are eternally grateful for such unspeakable love for you personally, then you know what I'm talking about. We know that He prays for us now. He takes our prayers and He prays for us. And He gives them to the Father. His Spirit helps us pray, for we know not how to pray. As we pray the pattern of prayer that He has prayed for us and He's taught us, let's all pray that pattern of prayer, the Lord's Prayer together For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our psalm is 72C.
1: seventy two C from the RP Salter. This is a selection we've we've used frequently so I don't think I need to go over the tune. On hilltops sown a little grain like Lebanon with fruit shall bend. New life the city shall attain. She shall like grass grow and extend, she shall like grass grow and extend. Long as the sun, his name, shall last. It shall endure through ages all. And men shall still in him be blessed. Blessed all the nations shall him call. Blessed all the nations shall him call. Let us stand and sing together. On <laughs> hill <laughs> She shall like grass grow and extend, long as the sun his name shall last. It shall endure through ages all, oh, and then shall still in him be blessed. Blessed all the nations shall hear.
0: receive the benediction from Ephesians. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Are there any.